But having said all of that, it is a Tuesday. It is a Tuesday takeover here on SAFM. And we have Joost Stradom, the head of Orania Movement, not in studio but on the phone. He's obviously in the Northern Cape. And whenever I see U.S. I just automatically think van der Vestesen. I can't see U.S. and not see van der Vestesen. But anyway, U.S. bye for welcome here by SIFM. How are you? Thank you very much for the opportunity. And I hope that we can ease some of that frustration away with a very good and fruitful Tuesday takeover and have a very good conversation. Do you have these challenges in Orania? We uh, sometimes have challenges, uh, and sometimes we are able to solve them ourselves or through the community. And sometimes we are, just as the rest of South Africa, uh, led by the realities of Africa and uh, caught in it as well. But um, we are trying to channel our frustrations into community-based solutions, and that really excites us. Talking about community-based solutions, in the last time we talked, I mean, sort of you educated me on what Orania actually is, and there's never not an opportunity to just continue making people understand who you guys are, and for people who would object to object on the basis of facts as opposed to perception. You guys were established in 1991 in the dying days of apartheid, if you like. You are based in the Northern Cape, and you bought over, from what I understood our conversation the last time to have suggested, an old mining town that mining town that had been decommissioned, you established an entity and you bought that land. So everything essentially that is Orania is private property. To the extent that I've missed every anything, just sort of establish the core facts behind the movement and the establishment of the town because there's always somebody who is listening who would want to know so that they can engage you. Uh, what, a, what a good opportunity to not only share that history but also uh, touch on some contemporary issues and uh, expand a bit on that. Yes. And uh, as you said, yeah, not a mining mining town, but indeed uh, the property of the Department of Water Affairs, I see. Uh, which constructed the town in the 60s to work on the dams, which made the Orange River sustainable. It was a seasonal river, now it's a sustainable river, and that unlocked a massive agricultural potential in this area. And as you know, the Northern Cape is arid. It is dry. It's not uh, very. Uh, it's not a very good habitat for uh, for anything to grow, uh, but rocks and sand. And uh, with the establishment of the dams, uh, new opportunities arose. However, uh, the town, um, after it was decommissioned, after it was evacuated, became a ghost town. It was empty, um, and where others saw. Uh, demolished infrastructure and a hopeless town, the people who drove the Orania idea saw an opportunity. They saw an opportunity to, um, to start something new. And although Orania was bought in 91, as we spoke uh, about last time, Orania, the Orania idea is actually much older, uh, coming from the 60s into the 70s of the idea of the Orania workers or the orange workers, which said, there's only a future in this country, in South Africa, if communities start with something they call arbeid or doing your own labor, and that the labor systems in South Africa is one of the core problems of, uh, of instability, uh, safety and security, inequality, and many more things. And they said communities must start doing their own work, and they specifically focused on the Afrikaners, and they said if you want to not only survive, but thrive, you must now realize, and, and remember that was in the 60s, 70s, that the current system 
the current system is not sustainable, and you have to look at the alternatives. And that alternative should be something ethical, it should be something sustainable, and it should be something built with own labor, own institutions, on a legally owned piece of land. <clears throat> so with that frame of mind, um, uh, developed by academic thinkers, the people who bought Urania in 91, when that opportunity arose in 91, they were ready because they understood what it would take to establish a, pl a place like Urania and build out of that for the, for the 30 years that uh, followed on that, to build something where Afrikaners can have a home of their own. We're talking to Mr. Joost Stredom, head of the Orania movement. He's dialing in from the Northern Cape. In a short while from now, he shall take over on the hashtag Tuesday Takeover. And I'm probably going to ask him one more question because I am hoping that his conversation with Mr. Karo Bosov, the head of the Freedom Foundation, a research institute based in Orania, will be obviously the place and platform through which you can engage the guests directly with whatever question. And, of course, I don't need to repeat it, but it always bears good reference to say it anyway. We say whatever here, but we ensure that it is respectful at all times. We encourage critical, rigorous debate here. And tonight is going to be no exception, as no other night is. Please do dial us then on Johannesburg, 714-2006. That's 011-714-2006. Drop us a voice note, on a voice note, a voice message. Call it what you will, 614 104107, that's for WhatsApp, and it's obviously text or voice. U.S., can we talk about the fact that many South Africans still, and I'm not so sure I've ever heard an argument or a response that satisfies, let's say nothing else is offensive of and about Orania. Is it not conceivable within your rank that the statues of, among others, a Hendrik Fervut, the architect of apartheid, the architect of so much pain, trauma, and destitution for the majority African community in this country, stands tall, high, and proud in the town of Orania. His immortal figure there, juxtaposed against the national democratic consensus of a constitutional South Africa. How is his figure yet sustainable in this context? It's a very important question. It's one that uh, that we have uh, conversed about a lot and engaged about a lot. And uh, obviously, there's a lot of opinions and sometimes even heated opinions about this subject. The key word that you very specifically pointed out and that we must remember is the fact that it is among others. And when we look at history, uh, Afrikaner history, any history, there is controversial figures in it. If we... Uh, visit Urania, if any of the listeners visit Urania, they come and they see uh, the, the history and uh, the past and statues of people from the past, they will very clearly see something very specific. They will realize that in Urania, there are representation of all the eras of Afrikaner history. And why do we do this? We do this for this very specific reason that we, as a nation, as a group, as a people, understand what it means to have a history. It doesn't mean that we have a perfect history. It doesn't mean that our history is not without fault or wrongdoing, just as no other nation on earth has got a history without any wrongdoing. No, I However, that. we understand that we have a history that is, uh, in terms of a holistic approach, has got multiple faces. And 
we represent our entirety of our history. And visitors to Urania are welcome to walk uh, on some of our walking routes and see uh, the representation of different aspects of our history from the museums that we have. Let me interrupt you. Sorry, man. Sorry, I really don't wish to interrupt you because I don't like your answer. I'm just trying to rush because I know I have to yield the platform soon. Okay. Put differently would it perhaps not be more consistent with what you have said and probably what you would say consistent with what you've just said if those figures that are, shall I say, controversial, if not criminal, in the South African history and the context of that history against the democratic dispensation where apartheid was declared a crime against humanity. I'm using Fervut as a name. He probably represents other names. Would it then not be different to then say if these figures or if this figure of Fervut was in a museum in an enclosed space where people would obviously have to target his bust to be able to see it versus a statue that is out in the open as though it is a celebration of that figure. That's essentially the crux of the question. My timer says nine seconds to go, so think about that question. On the other side of the ad break, you can offer your response. 100% 100% I will do so. 2021, everybody. You are straight on. SMS SAFM now on 41391. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. I repeat the question. Telling a story is one thing. How you tell the story is probably where the difference lies. A statue outside in the open atop a hill or a place where people can only but see it of Hendrik Vervoet, among others, is probably more offensive than, say, in the context of telling history, that very figure was engaged in a museum set up in an academic context. Perhaps the offense would be different. Your response, Joost? Thank you. Thank you for the question. Yeah, move, uh, going on uh, after saying what I uh, said earlier, uh, and I think this is a theme that we can uh, later on during the night discuss even more because I think it's very rele- uh, relevant not only for this uh, specific conversation but for the conversation of Urania uh, in broad terms as well. Let's quickly, let's quickly say this. Um, regarding context, as you pointed out, which is very important, when visitors visit the bus on Monument Hill in Urania or in the enclosed space of, uh, of the museums that we have, there is indeed a story that is very clearly uh, getting told. And that is the, the story of how history led us to a current point, and that current point leads us to a future. Uh, and symbolically, the symbolism of the Fervut bust and other bus there is very clearly explained on every tour, on every visit, because it is a it is a off-road uh, gravel road that you have to take uh, to get to that specific area. So, with every visit, it is clearly explained that uh, for us the future lays with our specific symbol, the little giant or the small giant, which is the symbol of create your own future and doing it through your own labour. The context of the hill. Um, where the busts are situated, and uh, the the small giant, our Urania symbol, is situated as well. It's clearly explained with each visit that there's a semi-circle that we left behind in history. We do not forget our history because uh, for multiple reasons we know where we come, came from and we know what that means, but our future is in our own hands and that is symbolized by the small giant. That context is explained very carefully with every visit. And that is not 
to be confused with trying to fight for a better past, but rather creating a better better future for Afrikaners and for the people that we liaise with and uh, the communities that we work with furthermore. Uh, I think that context, the, the amount of clarity that, that, that is explained and the symbolism in the literal um, uh, way that that area is designed is very clear. Uh, and it's not for, for anyone to be confused about. I can only ask the questions, and he has answered. Whether or not you are happy, that's for you to engage on the other side of this very short break. My guest this evening is Mr. Joost Stradom, head of Oranya Movement. After the break, of course, he will be taking over because you all know what today is. Do you know what today is? Is the Tuesday takeover? Two voice notes. Break. Joost, it's you. Hello, Songezo. This is Stephen here. Uh, Songezo, I just want you to, uh, I just want to inform the guy, your guest there, that one from Orania, the leader from Orania. Just tell him, or I think he's listening, that actually me as a person who was there during the apartheid, I was observing what was happening during the apartheid government uh, while, while I was young. I just want to tell that guy actually the difference that they are doing in Orania or as the Afrikaners currently it's very impressive it's very impressive compared to the one that is do, that is done by the comrades the so-called comrades tell them good up to what they are doing also extend the good up to the afro forum then uh song as good evening i'm not uh, against the orania that uh, is built in south africa is quite correct. I promote them and I support them. I'm a black person. I'm Linda from Ladysmith. Look, uh, song as ANC never change anything for this country. Even economy is still under apartheid, under under white people. Even resources are still under apartheid, under white people. So for those white people. Uh, especially Africaners, when they uh, create their world in South Africa, it's within their freedom uh, of choosing who they want to be in South Africa, because South Africa never changed, it's still under apartheid. Thank you. 2027, I'm out. Yoast, after the break, it's, all, it's your show. Yoast. Listeners, uh, welcome back. We are on Tuesday Takeover, and uh, I'm Joost Stradom. I'm the head of the Urania movement. I'm here as a guest, and I'm speaking about land, culture, freedom, and much more. Tonight, I'm going to be speaking to uh, a fellow Uranian, uh, Karl Bosov. Uh, but more than that, he is also the head of the Freedom Foundation. The Freedom Foundation is a local research and thought leadership group in Urania, Karl um, good evening and welcome online. Hello, yes. Yeah, what a surprise to find you on SAFM as a presenter. This is really something. But thank you for the opportunity <laughs> to discuss. Uh, new opportunities arise every day. Thank you very much for, for tuning in with us. Uh, I think uh, some of the themes that we would like to discuss tonight um, is things that are relevant to Rania, but also... Uh, regarding the conversation that we had earlier about history, specifically uh, a part of Afrikaner history that uh, is uh, very, very controversial, strong feelings about, and the way that Afri- uh, Afrikaners in Urania understand that, and the way that we represent 
uh, maybe a new solution to some of the old things, uh, and much, much more. But one of the main things that I want to do tonight and uh, that I would like the listeners to engage into is to redefine the land debate. The land debate is one of the most uh, important debates in South Africa today, and land has become a very, very controversial issue. Um, the reason for that is not only um, South Africa's history, it is obviously also the fact that currently there are multiple forces at play uh, trying to define things in not only a culture war, but also in some, some ways a war for resources. So tonight we're going to be speaking about the real freedom. We're going to be speaking about the relationship between land and culture. And I also have some questions, if possible, if we can redefine the land debate. Totally. Is it possible, Carl? Is it possible to redefine the land debate? Yes, I believe it's not only possible, uh, or maybe because it is so significant and so important that we do redefine it, we must find ways to do it. Um, in other words, it, it needs to be possible. Um, and the point is that land is, is where, where you stay, where you are. It, it's the place under the sun that you take up. Um, and the present concept of land as being a uh, commodity, uh, a, a thing with a price tag that could be bought and sold at will um, and uh, used as if it is just a sellable commodity, um, uh, that's not going to take us into the future. Uh, that's going to uh, heighten the tensions. That's going to uh, see more and more conflict round about the place where we live. So we have to make a, a, a huge change of minds um, all over South Africa around this question and start thinking about land in a, in a living, existential, experienced way and not just in terms of economics and uh, uh, production. One of, the, one of the earlier voice notes stated that apartheid did not end. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, listeners, if you would like to call in, you could do so at one, uh, sorry, at 011714-2006, and you can send your voice notes on WhatsApp to 061-4104-107. That is 061-4104-107. So send in, engage with us on this very, very relevant topic and uh, have a say, can we redefine the land debate? Uh, Coral, to a certain degree, um, uh, land and the controversy is also where Urania found its place in history. Uh, bought in 1991, we, the thing that we bought was a piece of land. It was not developed. It was a ghost town. It was in the arid and dry Karua. And since the hard work, the hard menial labor of Afrikaners turned it into something, uh, well, something that uh, we are very proud of and that uh, a lot of people admire us for. Um, and we obviously are proud of it because it was through, through uh, uh, the, the many blessings that we received, but it was through our own hard work and our own labor. And we can look back and say the land that we have under our feet here in Urania is something that we bought, but we paid for it with sweat and blood and tears and the hard work that we did. Is there an important aspect in the relationship between land and labor? I think it's, it's an all-important uh, um, all relationship, and it, uh, it's represented in documents like the Freedom Charter. 
that refers to the land belonging to those who live on it and work it and, and uh, use it, um, which is, of course, not uh, so easy to, to manage or to implement um, because uh, production needs to be economic, etc., etc. Um, but the fact that, that people need to work the land to really call it their own, um, and nobody can escape that. And that's what we've been doing in Orania for 30 years now, um, we've been uh, engaging with this piece of land and we've, we've uh, established a relationship as to, as to the mother that feeds us, you know. Um, so in, in that sense, we've really appropriated it. And that leads to a lot of other cultural spin-offs and, and um, good things that comes from it. Taking control, taking responsibility looking after your land, looking after your family, looking after yourself, looking after your, um, your bodily needs and your psychic and your spiritual needs. All those things are, are closely met together. Um, and there's, there's another important thing. Um, you have the relation between land, labor, uh, people in South Africa are all stamped um, with a colonial history. And Afrikaners Engaging in a community where we uh, do our own work is taking that step to post-colonial existence. It's leaving the old apartheid kind of, of mindset and old colonial relationships behind and really breaking new ground and entering a new, uh, a new future. That is indeed so. Um, I think there is also a... a, 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 a a bigger concern uh, or a bigger question, and that is um, Afrikaners living in Urania and Afrikaners visiting Urania see our history in a certain context, and when they visit Urania, when they see uh, representation of the whole of Afrikaner history since we came here as French Huguenots moving to Africa because of our, our reasons regarding faith, uh, moving um, uh, to Africa to, to come and, and, and live here and so on, to the representation of uh, the Boer Republics, to uh, the later stages when the National Party was in control, until what we are now, which is uh, an Afrikaner that does not have a homeland or a place to call home. But um, many people visiting Urania who are not Afrikaners might think that uh, that there is a, some uh, a, a, a glorification of some of the maybe not so good things that happened in Afrikaner past. And how do we both that relationship. Uh, how do we understand that engagement between what we were, uh, being proud of our history, but simultaneously uh, taking control of our future? Um, I'm going to give you one second uh, before we, we, uh, we take that answer. We have some voice notes. I just want to repeat the voice notes rules. Please keep your voice notes uh, shorter than one minute, that is 60 seconds, and turn your radio off when you send in. Uh, so uh, we are going to uh, take some uh, voice notes and then we will come back for that reply. It will be a wrong thing to, for me if I will never send my thanks to the Oranian community in the Northern Cape for helping me when I was lost on the 25th of February. I was going to the ascertain farm. Then the Africana in that community, they came and approached me and helped me to go to on the place where I was allocated to be. And I like to say to the people, stop by this sentiment saying that the Oranian community are the apartheid community. No, there is no such thing. Go there, you will see. 
the way the Africana they were accepted me as a black man, I was so surprised. Thank you. Uh, we cannot revive the land. Some of people are greedy. Hence, here in South Africa, we cannot even control simple constitution. So what do we have to do with the land? Those people who are fighting for the land, they can't even fight the constitution of the country. They can't even respect the constitution of the country. You better leave the land to those who love the land, to those who take care of the land. Orania is good, is better. Hi guys, uh, great show. And another question is, guys, I hear that you bought the land on 2001 or 1991. You bought the land to who, with how much? How much was the cost of that land? Eerlijke, eerlijke opinie moet je me antwoord als je kan. Ik en jij weet, maar zijn allemaal weet, dat die land behoort aan die koei niet aan. Waarvan ons nooit gezegd, mensen moeten weggaan, maar jij weet en ik weet, dat die mensen wie ons verkopen, dat is Jelle, die Blankes, de Klerk en die ANC. Waarvan hulle niet die, die, die koei niet aan genooid naar die tafel toe nie, waarbij hulle besluit te gaan neem het en gaan naar ons land. Denk jy nou nou rechtig is recht wat, wat, wat hulle gedoen het, want jylle het jylle plek, ons het niks. Geef my een antwoord. Asseblief, dankie. Thank you for that input. Thank you for everyone engaging. I am your stadium. I'm the head of the Orania movement. I am doing tonight's Tuesday takeover here on SAFM. We are speaking about land, culture, through freedom here on SAFM. This is not a coup, it's only a takeover for a while, and we are using Urania as a reference point to understand some very interesting aspects and very complicated aspects of South Africa. We're speaking about land, as I said, and we got some very, very good input. The first and the most important uh, uh, one for me personally was the proof of the good relationship that Urania has by the man that stated that he was helped by the people of Urania. And I want to come back to that now when we speak about uh, Afrikaner history, uh, the controversies, uh, the good things of Afrikaner history, what we are proud of and what we are not so proud of and so on. Um, but a uh, very important part of Urania is good relationship. Then the law and the constitution of South Africa and the difference between the de jure and the de facto realities in South Africa of the land and the people. Then there was a question of who bought uh, Urania, how did they pay, and from whom did they buy it? And then there was uh, uh, some comments about the Khoisan. Why did they not have the opportunity to have the say during the Kudesa, um, Kudesa uh, uh, conversations and um, the fact that the Khoisan also have a right to land uh, in South Africa in this country? My topic of discussion is uh, Urania, lands, true freedom, our culture, ideals, and, and the realities around it. My guest is Carl Bosso. Thank you, Carl, uh, for speaking to us tonight. And let's come back to some of these uh, voice notes, these comments that came in. Firstly, the fact that Urania keeps good relationships and helps people in need. 
And I think that comes back to the idea of the statues and uh, what we represent, but also the idea of Afrikaners as a nation of confidence, Iranians as a nation of people with confidence, knowing who we are, being proud of who we are, also understanding our history, but also having good relationships. How would you uh, respond to not only that voice, but also the bigger uh, context of, uh, of Urania and history? Thank you. Yes. Yeah, I think um, one can uh, sort of wrap up the question regarding history by saying um, you take history for its good and, and uh, bad aspects. Uh, nothing is only, you have mentioned it uh, earlier on, nothing is only good, nothing is only bad in history. Um, uh, and you, you have to live up to your own history. You have to take responsibility for your own history. And if you have wronged, you have to put it right in, in, in whatever way is at your disposal within, in our case, a totally new uh, power system, power balance and, and uh, a governing system. Um, so we are not turning our backs on any part of our history. Uh, we are affirming its existence and we are choosing what to go forward with. Um, and and that, that refers also to, to continually remind us of those people who may have been heroes for Afrikaners or white people 50 years ago, but um, uh, uh, the opposite uh, to other people. We have to engage those questions. And regarding the cost of Iranian, it's, it's actually fascinating that the Department of Water Affairs at that time uh, offered uh, the town to, um, to, to uh, the defense force uh, for putting up a military camp. And the defense force said, well, they, they couldn't really use it. They even offered it to, to the prison services at that time. And they thought they couldn't use it. And then it went out on public tender. So when people tended to demolish it and to take away everything that's on the ground, uh, all the building materials or whatever they could sell to them that. And that's when we came uh, in and bought it at a, at a market price, at an open uh, bid, which could be surpassed by anybody who wanted it for less than two million grams. So it, it's, it's uh, unbelievable um, what opportunity it affords us, which nobody else recognized as such. Because by now, it's worth hundreds of millions of rands in terms of development, in terms of investment that people made, that uh, people had to uh, trust in the future and in, in the community uh, to make. Regarding the, the Khoisan question, I think um, anybody that knows Africa, I think two seconds about it, knows that the, the Khoisan people of South Africa didn't have the opportunity to express themselves for decades and for for uh, centuries now, and that the new political dispensation did not put that right. The question is, what exactly is Ons Land, our land, which is referred? Is it the, the um, a, a subcontinent that's to the south of the Rampopo River, or do we recognize those borders that have been created in 1910? as the result of an imperialist war as an imperialist construct. Because 
I cannot see that if that is our land, the present Republic of South Africa with its borders as, as it is, excluding, say, Lesotho and, and, and Swaziland, Esitlene and, and, and uh, Botswana, um, it, it's such a, a, um, a strange construct to work with that that could not be what the course refers to. I think the question refers to the linkage with land which we do have and we hope that they could manage to get and that we would in any way that uh, we can support them uh, to get that kind of access, which I do understand um, is making its way at some places and amongst some communities under some circumstances, but not yet of the kind that they... Um, uh, uh, that they uh, would like it to be or um, deserve it to be. Thank you very much for that. On social media, you can uh, tweet hashtag SAFM viewpoint, hashtag Tuesday takeover, and you can uh, at SAFM radio. We are redefining the land debate. We are speaking about real freedom from an Urania context, and we're educating people on the Urania recipe to use in their own communities as well. Before we go further, we are going to take a call. The call that we are going to take is from Uppington, almost as arid and dry as Urania. Um, and we are speaking to Aisha from Uppington. Good evening, gentlemen. I'm Hi. so glad that I am so glad that you are here. Now let me begin in the beginning. South Africa belongs to the Koya and the Sand. I would like to know by you, why your people didn't leave South Africa, firstly. Secondly, I agree with you that it is important to protect your, your culture and your heritage. And the reason, and more especially, the one good lesson that the Africans can take from you is the preservation of history. Now, coming to to South Africa, under international law, it was an agreement signed by the Afrikaners and the British. There was nothing signed with the Koya and the Sand. And don't tell me about drawn international borders. What I want to know by you lot is, if you are interested in claiming against the British, for the, for the Buddha concentration camp. That's all that I want to know by you. And I think it's audacious for you settlers to come onto SAFM and discuss our land. Thank you. Thank you, Asha from Uppington, speaking about uh, the Quay and the Sun and also Afrikaners and uh, the borders of this country and so on. We're going to take, uh, quickly before we answer these questions, we're going to take some voice notes. We have four voice notes ready. They sum up to about uh, two minutes. Um, I'm just reminding you that you can, uh, you can tweet at hashtag SAFN Viewpoint, hashtag Tuesday Takeover. I'm Joost Stradom. I'm the head of the Iranian movement. And my guest is Karol Bosov here on Tuesday Takeover. We are redefining the land debate and the land narrative. Let's play some voice notes before we continue. What is the relationship between Orania movement and the former commandant in 3-2 battalion 
Velemrate, who once occupied the Fortrecker uh, monument. May I hear your views, please? Kanjo. Hi, good evening, Songezo. Uh, I would like to know, uh, is Orania be governed by the South African constitution or they are governed by their own rule? They have set up their own rule that will govern specifically Orania. Mabi, thank you. Thank you for the, to the gentleman from the Aurania movement. Please, I've got a serious question to ask here. I, I'm, I'm from Free State in the Frankfurt, Free State. Frankfurt is so rotten. I don't know the, the ANC have, have brought our, our, our country down to the, its knees. Now, what I want to ask is, do you, I want to relocate to Aurania. Do you people at least have some RDPs over there? I want to relocate to, to Aurania. At least you still have got a peaceful piece of land here in South Africa, which is Orania. I thank you. I think the Orania people, they are doing better for their own Afrikaners. So the Nigerians also will do better for their Nigerians as they want to take over Sunnyside. We as South Africans will remain landless as we belong to the informal settlements, anonymous. Now, there was some voice note input here on Tuesday Takeover. I'm just reminding you, Tuesday Takeover on SAFM, I'm US Trader, I'm head of the Urania movement. As a guest, I have Carl Bosov. We are speaking about Urania, lessons from Urania from, for other communities, the land, debate, culture, and through freedom. Uh, Carl, some very interesting input that we got. Firstly, starting with the lady from Uppington, um, who asked some questions about the uh, uh, about Afrikaners and what gives Afrikaners the right to take part in the land debate, um, uh, with with uh, certain references that she made to our history, and um, that is a conversation that almost take up the entire time of this program. Sadly, we have to. We have to wrap it up. We have to do all these answers in about two minutes, three minutes. Uh, so we're going to keep it quick. Uh, but then secondly, the relationship between Urania and Tulumrata, uh, is there any? And then how is Urania governed and who can relocate here? Now, as we said previously, Urania is an Afrikaner cultural community. It uh, represents Afrikaners. It is one of the only places in South Africa that is a home to Afrikaners, a homeland to Afrikaners, if you will. So Afrikaners live and work and thrive here, and we have good relationships with other communities, but there obviously are some questions. Carl, firstly, this lady from, uh, from Uppington asking about uh, Afrikaners, the Koi and the Sun, the things of history, and colonialism, and uh, everything that goes with that. Thank you. I, I will really uh, run through the questions. Um, first thing uh, uh, regarding Isha's uh, remarks is that we, we cannot leave Africa. We cannot leave South Africa as Afrikaners because then we are no Afrikaners anymore. Um, history has also given us a place, as it has given uh, the First Nations of South Africa uh, their place. I think we need 
And, and that is my challenge to her, to really go back to the roots of an inclusive ownership and not an exclusive ownership from the side of the Khoisan. They have been accommodating for their whole uh, history towards other people. I understand that they are marginalized now, but the answer would not lie in, in such an exclusive concept that want to throw everybody else out, but to find uh, coexistence. And regarding uh, Willembrata, the 32 Battalion, we can only say Willembrata is also an Afrikaner. Uh, he lives very far from where we are. We are not in any direct contact of anything of that kind. Um, he's, he's an Afrikaner nationalist who wants a folk start and is working for that. Uh, that's his privilege. And we are not a part of, of, of any uh, common project um, at the moment. Um, is Urania uh, ruled by the Constitution of South Africa? Yes, it is. It is part of the state of South Afri- Africa, but it's also run by its own constitution. It's not an either-or, it's an and-also. Um, so we uh, uh, depart from an expectation of subsidiarity, of, of having local powers where it could best be used, and of subsidizing powers to where um, it's better used or, or utilized um, in common. Uh, so both South African and Iranian constitution at the same time. And the uh, guy from Frankfurt um, uh, addressed that question, whether uh, anyone could in any um, time live at any place. That might be theoretically so. The constitution of South Africa gives uh, some um, rights regarding that. But traditional land, um, neither those of, of uh, Isitosa people, Setswana or uh, um, Sisutu people uh, are in the same way accessible to outsiders than to insiders. And Iranian is, is exactly the same as any of those traditional lands. Um, in principle, yes, but being part of the community, sharing in the culture and sharing in the, the intention and the dreams of that community. Um, you need to do that to really uh, form part and participate. I think that's the full uh, implicit there, yes. Thank you very much, uh, Carl, for these replies. Uh, I have to, to hand back. My Tuesday takeover is, is, is basically over. Uh, but thank you very much for your time. I will, in the last four minutes of this program, give a little bit of feedback for my side regarding that question as well. As well. Um, but... Uh, I'm not in control anymore, so I only hope the presenter uh, give me that opportunity. Thank you very much for your time on Tuesday. Take over and have a very good night. Stay there, stay there, stay there, Manier Stradon. Thank you very much for your time. And perhaps we can just touch up on one or two things because there were a few questions that were asked. And perhaps I would want you to specifically respond, especially to the question of the gentleman who asked in Afrikaans and essentially it boils down to the fact that the Khoi and San communities were not invited to the table from their perspective, and I hope I'm engaging and paraphrasing their thoughts, they are the original people of what is now South Africa. And at Cordesa, between the National Party and the ANC and all of those who were at the table together with those parties, they were a critical voice that was never contemplated. They didn't sign anything they essentially were in the doldrums. That is corroborated, the thinking that is, with the question or point that was raised by Aisha saying that you are settlers and history documents that is more correct than incorrect. The question then becomes, at what point would the Khoi and San issue 
be discussed for the merits that those two calls have advanced. What's your position on that? <clears throat> Great question, because I think that sums up this entire conversation, this entire uh, idea of Urania, one of the factors that is the change in South Africa that we like to see, and that is also redefining the land issue. Let me answer this in this way. If I was at Kudiasa, and I cannot um, stand cover for the things that were said there because I wasn't there, and yes. I didn't have a voice there, but if I was there, things would have happened quite differently. And uh, to be very clear about the entire Kudesa issue, the National Party was at Kudesa. Many, many Afrikaners did not vote for the National Party. Many Afrikaners felt that they were, was not represented by the conversations going on at Kudesa. Many Afrikaners felt that some place like Urania is now the only hope for them because of the way that the Kudesa uh, um, conversations did also not give them opportunity. Now, for the Koi and the Sun, yes, uh, people describe uh, Afrikaners as settlers. Uh, most people that exist settled in some way or another uh, through history. Afrikaners is for 400 years part of this country. We are, we are part of the soil of South Africa like many other cultures that are here. And all these cultures have the right to live out their fullest potential, also the Koi and the Sun. And if I have the opportunity ever to take part in the next Kudesa, because I think there is, a, there is a very, very urgent necessity to redefine some of the things that were said. If I ever have that opportunity, let me state it clearly, that I will not only very, very strongly make a case for Afrikaners having their own piece of land where they can make decisions about their own culture, their own religion, and things like that, I will yes. also fight for that right for the Koi and the Sun and more people. South Africa, as it is defined by the, the conversations made at Kudesa, is not something that uh, all people in South Africa is happy about, including most Afrikaners, I think, definitely including the Koi and the Sun, but other cultures as well. And we see that in our conversations with the town of Nyameni, a Koza community, which, comes to, which, which came to us stating that they are not happy with the, things, uh, the way things develop, and they, as Koza, want to have a conversation with the Afrikaners of Urania because they see that we found a homeland for Afrikaners here. We're building it out. And they want to do that for their people as well. Let's conclude. And that is why... Say again. I'm saying let's conclude. Unfortunately, I, I have run out of time. I'm 26 seconds into the news hour. So with that, thank you very much for your time. Thoroughly well-engaged conversation. Clearly, the conversation cannot stop here. Only time stops it to be continued on another day. You're straight on head of the Oranya movement calling us from the Northern Cape. It's 21 hours and 44 seconds.